After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is Jeff Arce, partner in the McNaughton Group, a Hawaii-based company specializing in real estate development and retail. They have been responsible in bringing into Hawaii some retail locations and projects including Costco, Waikele Center, Starbucks, Jamba Juice, and many more. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Jeff R.C. Welcome to our show, Jeff. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Evan. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about the McNaughton Group and what they do? Sure. Well, we're first and foremost, we're locally based. Duncan McNaughton's our founder and principal. He's born and raised in Hawaii. He's been here for a long time. And his father and his uncle both were involved in some of the companies here in Hawaii, Sea Brewer and Castle and Cook running them. So Hawaii is our home and Hawaii is where we want to do business. And what we consider ourselves to be are entrepreneurial oriented boutique developers. And a lot of people think of us for, for doing different things. A lot of people think that we're real estate developers, and we are that. A lot of us think that we own and operate Starbucks, and we are that. So we're kind of we're whatever we really, at the end of the day, want to be, which is kind of it's kind of interesting. We, we, so we do a lot of things. But primarily, we're known as real estate developers, and we also have some retail operations. You mentioned Starbucks and Jamba. We had uh, Blockbuster at one time, and we recently announced that we're going to be doing P.F. Chang's. Uh, we'll be the owner and operator of the P.F. Chang's operations here in, in Hawaii. So it's primarily real estate and retail. Yeah, it's kind of the marrying of, of retail and, and, and real estate. And they, they obviously they go hand in hand. With, to have a real good retail operation, for the most part, you've got to be in good real estate. And so we have the unique ability to, to marry the two up. Probably also helps that if you develop the property, you get the prime location the right, for your retail. We get the right location. We, yeah, we bring in the right, right retailers. So we had, we've had a couple of projects where we said, hey, you know, this would be a great location for a Starbucks. And so we bought the property and, and, and built a project and put Starbucks and Jamba in and a few other tenants. So are there people just in the mainland that let you know what's the trend, which is the hottest restaurants or places to hang out there? Well, um, I guess that would be more us. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our ears to the ground and hear about what's going on. And, and on occasional trips to the mainland, we'll see what's happening there. And, and we've just been fortunate to have some people that have seen what we were able to do at Blockbuster and... Uh, we were able to repeat it. Starbucks, as an example, was one where, where we had a very successful experience with Blockbuster. We had a really talented team that was running that and developing it. And uh, we decided that, that some of the talents that that team had really was more in the development mode as opposed to the operating mode. And Blockbuster was, for the most part, built out for the islands. And so we had a couple of guys that were, again, really talented. And it was time to pick something else to add to the quiver of retail operations. And uh, that's where we identified Starbucks as an opportunity. So, so we had a couple guys basically camp out in Seattle and convince Starbucks that we were their right partner. Did Starbucks come about as a result of, uh, of moving on from Blockbuster, or, or you started that prior? Um, we had Blockbuster at the time that we were in discussions with Starbucks. 
And uh, so when we approached Starbucks, who, by the way, didn't want to have anything to do with it, they didn't franchise or anything, and they told us absolutely not. Uh, and that in and of itself is a very interesting story as to how we ended up being the, the owners and operators of Starbucks here. But we had Blockbuster. We went to Starbucks and said, basically, you know, we're, we're the right team. We already have the team in place. We have the back-of-house office, all the administrative support because we're already doing Blockbuster. And, um, the real and estate we just, knowledge. The real, yeah, everything. we had the real estate knowledge. It was, all, it was all ready to go, and we'd be able to co-brand. We'll be able to, you know, you rent a video and get a free cup of coffee at Starbucks and buy a coffee at Starbucks and get a free video rent along. We can kind of cross-brand them and cross-promote them. And um, w- what was interesting was um, while we were in discussions with Starbucks, just as we were finaling negotiations with Starbucks, somebody came along and was interested in buying Blockbuster. And so we actually ended up selling Blockbuster just before we started the Starbucks operations. So we put a call into uh, Starbucks. Um, the guy that was running at the time likes to tell the story of how he called Starbucks, and he said, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the bad news is uh, we're selling Blockbuster, so you know we can't do all that cross-promoting that we talked about. The good news is you have us full-time. So Starbucks was actually pretty happy to hear that. Huh. Okay. What's the mission statement of the McNaughton Group? Well, we're, we're pretty entrepreneurial, so we've never really sat down and created a formal mission statement. But we did sit around one time and talk about what our goals were, and it was really pretty straightforward. We wanted to, to, to own and operate businesses that we could be proud of and that were good for the community. Um, we wanted to work uh, with people and partner with people that we truly enjoyed, which not only is the investor group that we have here in Hawaii, but also the the partners that we select with the companies like like Blockbuster and Jamba, the great passion about their business and, and very similar philosophies about life and supporting the community. Um, and, and then a third, uh, so, so it's basically having fun, working with the people that you enjoy. And at the, at the end and the last is, is kind of the fruition is, is just make a little money. And it doesn't have to be a lot, but just enough. And a lot helps, though. <laughs> a a lot kind of goes with having more fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what's your role then in, in the McNaughton Group? Well, I, I come from an accounting background, so so I, I actually went to go work with Duncan um, a number of years ago to help fulfill kind of a, a more of a financial need. So I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm a partner that focuses on the chief financial officer role is what I'm commonly known as, but we don't really have titles. So sometimes I'm the COO, which would be the chief operating officer. Sometimes I'm the chief executive. Sometimes I'm the janitor. <laughs> we all we all wear a lot of different hats, but I, I focus more on the finance, working with the account, the accountants and the attorneys and uh, the legal side. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. 
Today's guest is Jeff Arce, a partner for the McNaughton Group, a Hawaii-based diversified real estate development company. They have been responsible in bringing into Hawaii some retail locations and projects including Costco, Waikele Center, Starbucks, Jamba Juice, and many more. How long have you been with the McNaughton Group? Well, I went to go work with uh, Duncan initially when he was just investing in Blockbuster. And so what happened was uh, Duncan was evaluating to make an investment in Blockbuster in 1989. And Blockbuster had, I think, one store open at the time, and they ran out of money. So they were looking for some capital sources. And somebody suggested Duncan. And one of the things that was pretty apparent was that they needed to upgrade the financial controls that they had. And I was with an accounting firm at the time that was actually providing consulting services to Blockbuster. And um, so we... And I had just decided that I wanted to leave accounting and decide. Were you to in change. Hawaii at the time? I was. I was in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, I was actually right down the street. I was in, on, right on Bishop Street, working for uh, Arthur Anderson at the time, mm-hmm. who is no longer with us. But um, the, um, the the opportunity came that that to uh, to actually go meet Duncan and go go work at Blockbuster. So in 1989, I actually left the comforts of of, uh, of Arthur Anderson and a nice cushy job where you worked, you know, 80 hours a week. <laughs> and um, and your first priorities were the were the were the firm, and decided I wanted to make a, really more of a lifestyle decision, and that's where Blockbuster just looked like a lot of fun. All those the mission statement we talked about with the McNaughton Group, it was fun people, it was a fun industry, and hopefully we'd we'd you know be financially successful. Were you a consultant with McNaughton Group prior then, and then you kind of moved into that role? No, actually, it was somebody else. Um, there was another individual within Arthur Anderson that was actually providing accounting support kind of accounting services. He was acting as the controller for Blockbuster. And, but I had decided that I wanted to leave. And so my decision to leave actually came before Blockbuster started looking for somebody. And so uh, it was just, the, the irony of it is that I, I left and became the controller and replaced our own guy that was down there kind of keep, taking care of the books. Later on, after I went to go work more in Duncan's office as opposed to in the Blockbuster offices, we ended up hiring that guy back. So that guy is now, he, he took my place as the chief financial officer for Blockbuster, and he's now really the president who runs all of Starbucks and Jamba. So both of us came from the same location, from this, the Arthur Anderson office. Huh. So when you went to work with Duncan, did you become a partner immediately, or something came about? No, later? Uh, one of the reasons that, that I actually went to go work for Blockbuster was that the Duncan and the, and the ownership at the time uh, the guys who owned it at the time uh, offered me some actual some ownership, some equity in in Blockbuster, and that that's really what kind of triggered my decision financially that it made sense. I actually took a pay cut, and but I got was back some ownership. It was a little scary. Hmm. It was a little scary. I went from you know one of the largest and most respected firms in the country to you know a, two, a, a one or two store video chain. But then so, at that time, Duncan already had some success under his belt, right? He had already done Costco and and Y. Kelly. He did. He he worked for a number of years with Dick Gushman. Uh, and they had a great, successful partnership doing a bunch of projects. And a few years prior to my going down to, to Blockbuster, they had kind of decided to have separate offices and focus on different things. Um, he had just finished up Costco. Why Kelly actually hadn't started yet. And so when I went there, I did meet Duncan. I interviewed with Duncan and his tax advisor at the time and uh, and also spent a lot of time with the guys at Blockbuster. But I actually, I actually went... Uh, to go work full-time Blockbuster, and then it turned out within a year I was kind of in Duncan's office helping him with some of his real estate things. Then the first real estate project that I ever worked on ever was Y. Kelly, where I started running the original projections for Y. Kelly. So what were some of your thoughts when you first met Duncan? 
well, if he's listening, God, this guy, handsome, good-looking guy, <laughs> you know, young, wise beyond his years, all those things. So, um, Duncan, my first thoughts of Duncan was a sensible guy, a gentleman, very, you know, nice guy, easygoing. That just seemed from, from, the, from the onset a guy that would be really easy to work with and easy to be friends with. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Jeff Arce, partner for the McNaughton Group, a Hawaii-based diversified real estate development company. Working with Duncan now, I mean, was, was he as influential at that time as he is now, would you say? I would say not because I think in certain circles he was. He was pretty well known in, you know, in the business circle. But I don't think that he'd done anything yet that the broader community knew about. You know, people, I think people knew that about Costco. They sure found out about it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But the general public, I don't think, necessarily recognized that that was something that Duncan had had helped put together. So I think it was once Blockbuster really started becoming successful, then there was some attention to who's this Duncan McNaughton guy and and what kind of things is he doing that are going to impact our community. seems like you guys really have the mix down well, though, the mix between retail and real estate. Well, we like to think so. We, you know, we, we really have a good group of people. You know, there's, there's, uh, and there's two separate offices, actually. A lot of people uh, get confused about how we're really structured because the office that I work in with Duncan and a, and a fellow named Eric Tima, who's the other partner in the McNaughton Group, we really focus primarily on real estate development, and, and we'll help find the locations for Starbucks and Jamba. The Starbucks and Jamba operations and ultimately the P.F. Chang's operations are actually run by a guy named Dean McPhail and, and Greg Meyer. Greg is the guy I mentioned who was, who was at uh, Arthur Anderson, actually at Blockbuster before I was. But um, Dean and Greg actually run what we would call our retail operations, and we're actually investors and partners with them. So they have – while Duncan has a significant amount of the ownership, you know, we all have a say in, in how things are done, and Dean and Greg really run that day-to-day. We, Duncan serves more, and, and me a little bit on more of an advisory advisory role as as needed. So you're not from Hawaii, though, are you? Well, if you go way back, I guess indirectly, I am. My grandparent, my my grandfather, actually, my namesake's from Hawaii, but I was born in Southern California. And then, how did you make that journey here? Then, well, it was actually Arthur Anderson. Uh, I was actually in Los Angeles. I had graduated from college in Southern California, Claremont and took a job with Arthur Anderson, worked a couple years in L.A., and then one day the managing partner of the L.A. office, very imposing fellow from Minneapolis, called me in, and he kind of sounded like a mafiosa boss, and he said, uh, Jeff, we want you to move to Hawaii. What do you think? And I said, well, Sheldon, I think that sounds great. I'm, I'll go. So I came over here in 1982. 
I, I worked with Anderson for, for seven years. And what happened was uh, Arthur Anderson opened an office in 82, and so I was asked to come over and help open the office. So you were primarily in the consulting side, though, right? Well, more more be um, accounting and audit services. So I was actually going out to clients and, and auditing their books and helping them. And we like to consider ourselves consultants more so than just auditors. But that's really – there's a separate consulting practice, too. And um, I was more on the accounting and, and audit. And I did the recruiting for, for, uh, for a number of years, too, with going up to University of Hawaii and, and interviewing candidates for jobs. How was the transition for you in regards to business? Was it very different doing business in, in California? In L.A. versus here? Yes. It was very different. Uh, L.A. is definitely a big city. And, um, you know, as mentioned earlier, when I first got here before I went on the air here, is, is um, just walking from our office, which is right across the street over here, I ran into two people that I knew. And, you know, of course, I'm that's Hawaiian time, right? That's why I'm late because you got to socialize with people on the way over. So I showed up a few minutes late. But in, in LA, you kind of socialize with the people you work with and it's a huge area. So you, you socialize when you're together and, and you know, you, you, you're working on a job together and you go out for a drink afterwards and then you go your separate ways and you might all drive an hour in a different direction to get home. And then over the weekends, you don't see those, those folks. Hawaii, is uh, well, it's a big, it's a fairly big city, right? From a population standpoint, but everything's really conveniently located. So I, I call it a big city with a small town atmosphere because you can walk down the street and see a bunch of people, and on the weekends you can get wherever you want to go pretty quickly. So from a the, business standpoint, that I really like that. How about the culture, though? Was the culture kind of a shock? Uh, yeah, it was a. Sh- I wouldn't say it was a shock. It was a change uh, culturally. Be, you know, definitely there's a local feel here that I I really have have appreciated ever since I got here. But uh, there were definitely times when I came over here and I understood what it meant to be a mainland Howley. <laughs> and um, and that was, you know, I recognized that pretty quick. And how, how frankly, how a minority can, you know, if, if I'm sitting out there and I'm the only Howley guy and I'm acting a certain way, I'm kind of representing the Howleys. And it was interesting when I moved over. It's very different. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Jeff Arce, a partner for the McNaughton Group, a Hawaii-based diversified real estate development company. They have been responsible in bringing into Hawaii some retail locations and projects including Costco, Waikele Center, Starbucks, Jamba Juice, and many more. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? 
Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. Can you continue telling us about the culture change and how it was coming to away from California? Tell us a story about feeling like you're Howley. <laughs> okay, I can remember it distinctly. I used to play a lot of tennis, and I joined a, a tennis team, and I and you know it's all local, so local guys, and I'm pretty easygoing guy, so I kind of figured I, I, I think it took me a week before I was eating uh, sashimi and poke and started to. Occasionally, a little pit, hint of, little hint of pigeon in my talk, and but I was out actually at a tennis tournament, and I was sitting on the side of the courts, and all the players are out there playing, and there was one other Howley actually playing in the tournament, and he was a real high head, so he missed a couple of shots. He started screaming and yelling and throwing his racket, and I started thinking, I you know I never saw any of the local players do that. Now obviously there's going to be some guys that do that, but. On that day, at that time, I sat there and I thought, well, that stupid Howley, he's over there making hay, you know, he's making all this racket and making noise, and, he, and he's, you know, he's being a Howley. <laughs> so for, that's when I really realized, hey, you know, it's, it's not really what you look like or, you know, where you come from, it's really how you act. And I like the local style better. So what do you think was the most difficult adjustment then coming from L.A. to here, business-wise? It, it actually, from a business standpoint, I think it was actually very easy because I actually love doing business here because you're you're doing business with people that you really you can kind of pick who you want to do business with, and there are very few people in town who I've met who I wouldn't want to do business with, and in those rare occasions when you do business with somebody that you discover that didn't go so well, you can you know you just move on and and that's that, and you can kind of sometimes here you, you find out ahead of time who those people are. On the mainland, um, you know, it's a it's a bigger pond, and you don't run into the same people, and the 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 net business networks are much bigger and much broader. So I I actually like this. Like I said, the it's it's got the attributes of a big city, but it's in a small town environment. You can go down and you can talk about big banks versus small banks. You know, no offense to the banks that might be listening, but they're all relatively small banks, and they're all really good to work with. All the all the bankers, even who's our sponsor, CPB, mm-hmm. fiercely loyal. Well, there should be some extra on that one, huh? <laughs> so what do you think, though? I mean, there's people that come from the mainland, they try to do business here, and they almost get run out of town. You know, what's the difference between, you know, you coming in here and, and acclimating and fitting in so well and other people that just can't seem to get it? Well, I'm, I moved here, and I think if, if we think back to how I ended up here, it was the decision by the firm that I was working with to actually locate an office. So they were competing to get jobs and clients with firms who actually had local offices and people that were hired locally that went to UH, that went to high school here. And here we were handling jobs from the mainland, sending people in, and they're staying in the hotels, and and then we went away. So we really weren't part of the community. We were just here kind of on borrowed time trying to do work. So I think the difference for us and why why we're successful in the in the business community here is is we want to be in Hawaii and we really care about Hawaii. We talked about us um, actually a few years ago. The economy was a little bit soft, and um, we had just finished doing a bunch of the Kmart developments, and we were kind of sitting around wondering what we were going to do next. And it was Duncan and Eric Team and myself, and we sat down with a bottle of wine, and we had some poo-poos, and we started talking about what we wanted to do over the next few years. And um, 
we made a conscious decision not to go to the mainland to work on jobs. We decided that we wanted to stay and work in Hawaii and do a variety of different things rather than try to take our show on the road and go to the mainland. I know that you do a lot of community-related uh, work also. What, what's your view on business and then businesses that support the community? Well, I think anybody who runs a good business should and successfully should understand the, the absolute necessity to give back to the community. And it's one of those things about a rising tide raises all ships. I think if a business is successful, it's kind of a self-imposed uh, social safety net. If we're out there being successful, we've got to give back to the community who's helped make us, make us successful. And if you see a need out there, uh, you've got to step in and, and, and help solve it. And, and uh, you know, you can't be so self-serving that you're only looking out for, you know, providing for your own good. I think you need to, to, um, to help out the others. And it's interesting. I used to, in the summers, I used to work at, a, at a, my grandfather's lumber yard. And so I worked with all these lumber clerks. And they're kind of all interesting guys with very colorful language. And there was this one guy that was really quiet. And, and um, he actually had a, a very um, religious, as it turned out. And, he, and I remember him, he said something to me that stuck with me. He said, you know, if all of us really focused on helping everybody else, we wouldn't have to worry so much about helping just ourselves because other people will be helping to take care of us. And so it's one of those things when, you know, I was in high school and working in this lumberyard, I'm thinking, what? the heck does that mean? But I get it. You know, it's, it's, we all got to help each other. So I think that the, there really needs to be uh, strong support from the b business community uh, back into our, our general community. I don't know how to say that any better, but anybody out there listening really has to, has to understand that. It's kind of like the aloha spirit then. Yeah. Have you felt that? I yeah, it's, it's the aloha spirit, but I, I think it's, you know, you run your business with the aloha spirit, you treat your employees with respect, you treat your partners with respect, and you treat everybody in the community with respect. And I think that's definitely the aloha spirit. I think the aloha spirit might go a little bit beyond just the relationship between business and, and you know, the general community. But yeah, absolutely. It's an example of the aloha spirit. So you're involved with the Gift Foundation. Yes, I am. We've been hearing a lot about the Gift Foundation on our show. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role and... A little bit more about the foundation. Sure. Yeah, the Gift Foundation is really awesome, and uh, it actually is an example of how um, you know young entrepreneurial, business-minded people take time out and say, "What can we do for the community?" And um, my background with that is uh, is actually I was approached. It's kind of funny. I was actually approached by um, my good friend and and our our partner in some of our projects, B.J. Kobayashi. And uh, B.J. comes to me and he says, he says, Jeff. We're, this friend of mine and I uh, are thinking about creating this organization to, to do some fundraising and kind of support the community. We want it all to be younger people, but we want kind of an older mentor. So can you join the group to kind of be that older mentor? I don't think he really said it exactly that way, <laughs> but that's exactly how I took it. And so I said, well, you know, okay. We talked about it. I said, that really, that sounds like fun. That sounds like it's really going to be rewarding and uh, certainly serve a good cause. And so he said, well, who, who else should we in, in, invite on? And we kind of went through who we were thinking about. And, and my only goal was to get somebody older than me on that board so I wouldn't be the, the old mentor. <laughs> so we did. I went out and I said, oh, I want to add so-and-so. And I'm not going to say who it is, but he's, he's older than me, so I'm not the oldest guy on the board. So when you folks were making that list, did you have a list distinguished between the young and the old? <laughs> no. No, I don't think he really knew how old I was, actually. <laughs> But it's a good, it, you know, the whole the whole purpose of it, and you've probably heard it already on the show, is it's actually kind of a two, it's a double-pronged approach. The goal was to go out and create events 
uh, and, and do something that where we could invite an audience to us of our peers, the younger business leaders, despite my being on the older side of this group, but the younger, maybe the 25 to the 35-year-olds. And they're the up-and-comers in the community and, and instill in them early on a sense of philanthropy and a sense that they need to really give back to the community. So they're off on their career and they're working a lot of hours. And it's just, you know, get them in front of you and say, hey, don't forget when you're successful that you got to give back. And maybe even before you're successful, you know, start on it now. Start thinking about it. So the Gift Foundation, in its infancy, we tried to figure out how we could best do that. And then... Uh, what we came up with was the annual Gift Foundation party, which we kind of call Halloween Gone Wild because it turns into just a wild Halloween party. <laughs> so, and what we do then is we raise money through this. We, we invite that peer group, the 25 to 35, and I, it, it gets crashed by some older people like myself. And, and it's just a heck of a good time. And we raise money at that event through an auction, through sponsorship, and through ticket sales. And the proceeds then go to uh, a local beneficiary. And that beneficiary changes from year to year. Gift Foundation didn't always have such an easy start. Did you? What were some of the struggles that you guys initially had, and how did you get through that? Well, the biggest struggle was trying to figure out what exactly it was we wanted to do. So kind of really nailing down what our objective was. And then the next struggle was really how we were going to do that. So we, we actually had a number of meetings with a whiteboard, and we started coming up with just brainstorming, just throwing different ideas against the, I call it the spitball theory. You start spitting, you know, spitwads at the wall and see what sticks up there. And then, you know, so what we started doing is just throwing this stuff up against the board and, and coming up with some really creative ideas. And one of our mottos early on was we did not want to be our parents' fundraiser. So we talked about stuff, nah, somebody else already does that or somebody does something similar to that. We wanted something absolutely new and unique. What about a success story? Oh, well, I got to say that the first party that we threw off it was at the Pacific Club. We called it College Days and College Connections, a locally um, a local charity organization that helps kids uh, prepare for college and actually motivate them to go to a, perhaps a better college or go to college if they weren't thinking about college. And we pulled off this event at the last minute, and, and it was all, it was kind of a struggle putting it together. But the thing went off so well, and it was so much fun. And we we basically raised double what we thought we were going to raise. And so I think one of the greatest successes it was it was it was financially successful. But more importantly, it was just really fun. So we knew that we were on to something. And one of the struggles from that was what are we going to do with all the extra money? So what was neat was we, we gave a little bit more than we told them. We, we, gave, we told them what we thought we were going to be able to give them with no promises. We actually gave them a little bit more. And then we took a little bit of the extra proceeds and we went and we actually gifted it to some of the organizations that we'd interviewed who were not the selected beneficiary. So in the true sense of a gift, these people weren't expecting anything. And we went back to them, and we gave them you know, a little extra, a little extra help to, to. I think there was a group that needed air conditioning for for um, um, a halfway home for some some uh, for some women, and so we helped them get air conditioning. It was really neat. That's amazing. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host Evan Leong and Carrie Leong saying, please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.